Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Can you believe it? White Wine Question Time is playing live in the West End of London at the Leicester Square Theatre and we would love you to come and join us. Come and raise a glass on the 13th of November. We've got the cast of Dumb Breeding. Joining me on stage will be Julie Graham, Alison Newman, Tracy Ann Oberman, Tamsin Outhwaite, Angela Griffin and Denise Welsh. We'll be raising our glasses from four till six. Why not come and pop your court with us? Tickets are available now from Ticketmaster, Live Nation, wherever you get your tickets. Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And my guest this week is one of the UK's biggest podcasters with not one, but two shows to his name, Private Parts, that he hosts alongside Francis Ball, and Six Degrees from Jamie and Spencer. He made a name for himself on reality TV show Made in Chelsea and then rather cleverly used it to launch his line of gluten-free sweets, Candy Kittens, which are now stocked in Harvey Nichols, Selfridges, Sainsbury's, Tesco's and Waitrose. Now, that may seem like an unlikely career choice for a 20-something about town, but when you delve into his family history, it turns out it's a well-trodden path. After all, those that know the show will know that his great-great-great-grandfather, I think that's right, Sir Alexander Grant, invented the digestive biscuit for McVitie's back in 1892. And when the company founder died without an heir apparent, he went on to inherit the company. Last year, after an injury ruled him out of the previous year's competition, he cut a rug on the Strictly dance floor all the way to the final. And six months later, made the decision to quit Made in Chelsea 
although his girlfriend Sophie still features on the show. He was raised by his mother and stepfather on London's King's Road and still lives in Chelsea with Sophie. On Instagram, you'll see the torturous life she uh, puts up with as he clearly torments her in the name of good content. So let's dial him up. It's Jamie Lang. Oh, it's all in, it's all in the name of good content. <laughs> <laughs> what you do to that poor woman, you and Sam Thompson. Oh, <laughs> oh just ruthless. And, and also, it's just because I find it so funny, because she gets so angry, so angry. And I find it hilarious how angry she gets about things. And I don't know why she gets so cross. But thank you for the intro. That was very lovely. I, I could do a similar one to you, but yours would be far longer and far better and far more credentials and far greater. So it put me to shame. My imposter syndrome would go through the roof. So yeah, I don't want I've been reading about your imposter syndrome because Jamie has uh, not only uh, got a business on the go, uh, you've got a new show starting, but you've most importantly got uh, an autobiography coming out, which I've been reading um, and gosh, you're honest, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, really honest. Well, this is the thing, right? So I, I, people get asked me to write a book, and I was like, why would I write a book? I don't, haven't done anything. I haven't gone to war, I haven't climbed Everest. Oh, I went to boarding school at eight. I was literally like, this is <laughs> not that good to write about. But then, um, then basically what happened was, is they, I, I was kind of thinking about things, and lockdown happened, and they kept asking, and I was kind of like, I think my, I had a lot of anxieties, and and I have a little brother and uh, you know, nephews and things like that. And, and, you know, my little brother, lots of his friends are feeling incredibly anxious, I think, because school wasn't happening and they didn't have mm. sport or friends to hang around with. Um, and they didn't and they were sort of really struggling, a lot of them. And so I thought, well, and then I spoke to someone who I said, oh, God, we've got to get over the stigma of mental health. We've got to start talking about things. And he said, Jamie, it's very easy to say, let's get over the stigma of mental health. It's very different saying, I have anxiety, I have insomnia, I have OCD, I have depression. Very, very difficult to label yourself. And I thought, you know what, you're so right. So I thought it was a good opportunity to start talking about the things that I was anxious and insecure about, as well as funny stories along the way, and put it all into a book that hopefully people like, which is called I Can Explain. And you really can explain. I, I've, I have really enjoyed reading it. It completely captures your voice. Um, Thank you. And, and the, it makes me laugh. And I also, um, and because there are some properly funny moments in there, I mean, you really don't mind hanging yourself out, uh, do you? <laughs> no. <laughs> you really don't. But before we, oh, get to, before we get to the book, I wanted to ask um, about your, your two podcasts. How, how on earth do you, I know the work that goes into this one. So 52 weeks a year, I'm, I make a show for White Wine Question Time. I love it. It's my dream gig, but it, it's a lot of work. How on earth do you juggle two? Well, I don't have kids. You have kids. Yeah. You, that, that is, so, so kids, right, I, I, I think take up like 140% of your time. So, yeah. <laughs> so when you take away kids, you have 140% more time to do things, which, which, so it's actually more amazing that you juggle your kids and working and doing podcasts and doing everything else. Um, so, and I always think this, my, my girlfriend really wanted to get a dog, right? And, uh, we had a huge fallout, massive fallout. It was really bad, actually. Because I you? said, yeah. Did I you film it and post it? Well, I was going to. It'll be great content. <laughs> I, can you just do that again, but can you be a little sadder? Yeah. <laughs> and can you do it quicker? Because yeah, it's just... just yeah. got a minute. Hurry up. Just get to the tears quicker. Come on. I want to put it on the grid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give me my 30 seconds. I want to make it real. I'm going to put some music behind it. It's going to be great. <laughs> um, <laughs> but she wanted to get a dog and... 
I kind of said on a whim, yeah, fine, okay. Anyway, then a few days ago, this like crate started to arrive, which was like the the cage and all these different things. I saw that, oh, she's actually going to get this dog. Um, and I said to Lewis, you know, the thing is, so if you have to remember, you're like, you're, you're 26, 26, you're turning 27 soon. You're 27 years old. You have a whole life of responsibilities. Why do you want to create responsibilities when you don't actually need them at this age? You know, you can have kids and all these different things and hopefully that's going to happen, all this different stuff. And she got very upset. I said, we're not getting the dog. I don't know why. We don't need the dog at the moment. We have a great life. We get to hang out with each other all the time. And I think that's the most precious thing to do. Um, don't know where I'm going with this. Oh, that's a podcast. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just thought I was, so I thought I was made in Chelsea again. And then we broke up. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Having stepped away from it, isn't it, is it nice not to have to be constantly sort of living on a storyline of conflict? Oh. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and also, so there's two, so going back to the podcast, I have my my Six Degrees podcast, which is a BBC one, which I do with my friend. And I have, it's called Spencer Matthews, who's also made, made Chelsea. And then wow. Six Degrees, I mean, uh, private parts, I do with my friend Francis, but he's in America. So I do it with my friend Alex Mitten, and we just interview different guests. And we do two of those a week. So we do I know, it's nuts. And the Friday episode, and we do a Six Degrees one. But it's, uh, but honestly, it's because I love people. I love like you, I kind of um, like working all the time, so I just try and fit everything in always. Um, yeah. I like your chats with with um, with Francis particularly. That yeah. shorthand that exists between friends is very funny, and yeah. you 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 also publish all of your episodes on YouTube, so you're hitting yes. it from all angles. And I kind of just the other night I was listening to. I thought I'll just listen to a couple as I prepped this episode. And then before you know it, I'm cooking and walking around. I'm like six episodes in. It just rolls. And it's lovely conversation to just have giggling in the background. Yeah, I think we, I think our life is like full of filters, right? So, and I remember being on TV shows and watching things and doing reality shows and, and everything. Everyone was so concerned about how they were perceived all the time. And I kind of thought, we, God, we all done things that we're proud of. We all done things that we're not proud of. We've done good things and bad things, you know. We haven't typically murdered anyone. We haven't done anything too mean. So why can't we talk about, you know, the things that we sh- they feel like we shouldn't talk about? And that's what I like to do in private parts, that I mention the things and talk about the things that we probably shouldn't talk about, but we should also talk about because it's all happened to all of us. And that's why I love it, because you're, everyone's honest on the show. which I find They really hilarious. are. They yeah. really are. I look yeah. forward to every drop. So thank you. <laughs> oh, thank now, you. Tell me, Six Degrees, right? Yeah. Six Degrees, it's working to the premise that you and Spencer... Yes. Well, in the first instance, were in search of Ricky Gervais, and you were looking to find guests that could help you get to six degrees of uh, contact yeah. with Ricky Gervais. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. So the idea was is that are we separated by six degrees of separation? Mm. And my point was is Spencer, his only friends in his life are me, his wife, and his. I don't think his kids like him. I honestly think it's him, his <laughs> wife. That's literally it. And Vogue's um, not that hot on him most of the time, uh, is she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vogue, Vogue honestly, we, <laughs> we were talking about. So we're talking about sex the other day, and uh, I said oh, I had I was uh, having an evening with my girlfriend. I thought, oh, this would be exciting. So I rolled on top of her, and she went, oh, get on with it. And I went, this is <laughs> way to give me a boner. Like this is not <laughs> not sexy at all. And Vogue said, if Spencer, I haven't, I wouldn't allow Spencer to roll on top of me. I just can't stand him. So I was like, so Spencer has no. <laughs> No friends all the time. And but two kids will do that to a relationship. Trust me. We have, a, we have a saying. It's, 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 we drop it at the beginning. So if there's a group of us that go away at the weekend um, and the joke is, and it is a joke because we <laughs> do obviously love sex. But the idea is, is, you know, you check in, you pick up your keys and you go, right, should we um, go and get the sex out of the way so we can enjoy the rest of the weekend? <laughs> it's like paying a parking ticket. 
<laughs> admin babe it's admin yeah yeah just go oh god we gotta pay that all right let's just do it it's on, a let's joke. Just do that yeah yeah it's definitely a joke everyone <laughs> depending but, um, on what relationship you're in yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so um, um, but but you, you if you are spencer's only friend why are you the yeah. last man standing what happens there then is it are you seeing something in him that others clearly don't well, I think I think because I I make an effort with him. He doesn't make an effort with people. And I make an effort with him because I find him so furiously like irritating and, and interesting <laughs> at the same time. And I kinda like and we've been friends for so long. So it's one of those friends that you kinda it's like a relationship where it's like a it's like a toxic relationship where you should get out of but you can't. <laughs> so, and also I feel sorry for him a lot of the time. Uh well, sometimes, not really, but sometimes I do. Um, and so Six Degrees was about finding people that I admire with hopefully at the same time to get make Spencer get friends. And that's the idea. <laughs> Did you find Ricky Gervais and has he got any more friends? We didn't Spencer, find Ricky Gervais, but we found loads. Of, we found Ben Wishel. We found yeah. Bear Grylls. We found Louis Theroux. Um, so we found a lot of different people. And whenever they, we find them and they're on the podcast, they're always quite surprised that they're on the podcast and we're always quite surprised that they're on the podcast so it, <laughs> and Spencer is normally checking his phone while interviewing them so it's all perfect <laughs> it does not it does it's awful okay honestly it is so bad it's like, it, we'll have bad ben, we have Riz Ahmed on and he'll be looking down like playing I'm like what are you doing like it's just rude but it it, really I think is. that makes the, the the kind of the romance of it I suppose <laughs> this is why he has no friends yeah. he's rude He's just rude. He's just a rude, <laughs> rude man. Horror. Just wandering He's... around, upsetting people with his non-boozy gin. He's Whatever. Like, yeah, get over yourself, <laughs> Spencer, you horrid soul. <laughs> well, that's Spencer Matthews taken care of. There we go. We've put that one to bed. <laughs> now, on this podcast, I try to put together three thought-provoking questions and... Um, I've, I'm, I'm ready to rock if you are. You ready oh, for your ready first to question? Roll. Okay. Oh, bring it. Chuck it. Okay. Throw it. Now, you've just released I Can Explain, which is your autobiography, and you've narrated it yourself for the audiobook. Yes. And, I, and I have a couple of friends that have been through this process and said that actually reading their story out loud was some kind of weird and difficult therapy. So, what was it like for you revisiting and reading out your life thus far? And what were the highs and the lows from that? Yeah, interesting. So, um, so I, so I, because I did made in Chelsea for ten years, I had a lot of therapy because you have to go like, what is going on in my life? I need to find things out. And I think therapy is like a wonderful thing because you get it's like self awareness, right? So you understand mm. yourself more. But yeah, the the book was an interesting experience because it it it, it took quite a it took a long time to do. And also what happens is is you bring up things that you've totally forgot about. And and mine wasn't sort of a a, a autobiography in a sense it was me sort of just talk telling stories about different things and and lots of stuff that's happened you know like sort of going to boarding school at eight and parents divorcing and all these different things mm. um and what was what was tricky for me is that i realized lots of things about like my parents for example i was sent off to like summer schools and ski schools when we went skiing i was always sent off to different schools throughout the time like boarding schools whatever it was and i suddenly realized i suddenly said this to my mum the other day after doing the book i suddenly said you some of these places because you didn't want to hang out with me, didn't you? And she was like, yeah. 
And I was like, I've just suddenly realized that. I've just suddenly realized that the reason I went to these places is because you wanted someone else to look after us. And she was like, obviously. And I was like, is that, that's not right. What are you doing? So <laughs> She I just think, threw money at it to get oh, rid of she's you. She's like, get out of here. See you later. <laughs> um, so it was, it was an interesting experience. It's, it's a, it's very self-indulgent experience, which I didn't find that thrilling. You just talking about yourself a lot. I, I've spoken a lot about myself in my 20s. I mean, so much. It's frightening. Oh, this and that. And and when you talk it's about It's not yourself, healthy, actually, is it? Because oh. it, it makes you, it gives you a false sense of self-importance, which can um, go on to breed, you know, well, you know, monsters, really. That's exactly it. You, you, so what you do is you, you think you're the most important person. Because everybody's that, always asking about you and they prioritise you in a room. Yeah. So you walk in with two other friends that aren't on Made in Chelsea mm. and all of the focus will be on you. So you become elevated by everyone, which then becomes self-fulfilling, does it, as, as a prophecy? Yeah, you become elevated by, you become, become elevated by a small circle of people that mm. you think is everyone. Yeah. So what, so that it's, it's a double-edged sword, right? So first you become, you, you, you think that you're the most important person and you're totally not. So, so you won't turn up to, um, your mum's 60th or you won't go to Christmases because you don't care because you want to go and have fun. And why would anyone else care? Cause you think, you think that everyone thinks the same way as you. So that happens. And then what you also realize is actually only a small proportion of people have watched Made in Chelsea and that small proportion of people either like you or dislike you. But then the rest of the population have an idea of what you're like because you're on a TV show about being posh and it's a reality show. So they just dislike you automatically. So you go into a TV show hoping to be validated and loved by everyone, but you end up realizing that you're just a massive wanker. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, also, I think what we forget is when we're on television shows, mm -hmm. yes, there are people that will tune in to watch, but quite often there's other things going on. You are totally. background noise. And yeah. we, we can overstate the importance of our presence in people's living rooms. You know, sometimes we could be about as as important as a fan whirring. In fact, a fan probably has a greater purpose because it calls you. Oh, it, it, it's <laughs> it's so God, it's so true. And we think we had this idea, right? And I had this for many years that the world revolves around ourselves, and we're the most important. And look, I I definitely think. You know, you want to pay the sort of protagonist, you want to pay the hero in your life. That's what you want to do. And that's a great thing because it's your life. But you have to really care about other people. And when I say other yeah. people, family, friends, you mm. know, friends are like gardens. You have to water them to make them grow. And, and family is so important. And, and neglecting all of that because you think your far, you think your life is more interesting and fun and all these different things just leaves you in quite a, um, hollow place, mm. um, at some point. And so for me, when I was writing the book and, and, and then doing it and reading it back and going through the edits, I suddenly, you realize how much time you've wasted caring about things that just don't matter. Mm. Wow. Like I, I say this, I've said this in so many podcasts, right? And I, but I, I, it just, it's in a prime time again. It's that I got told this thing that two levels of happiness, right? And Socrates said this, going, getting a Socrates again, but he did say, they said two levels of happiness, the lower level and the higher level. The lower mm -hmm. level is fame wealth, power, all the things that you think you want to achieve. And then when you achieve them, you go, well, why am I not 
completely content. And the higher level is loyalty, respect, love, great friendships, family, mm. and, so and, and helping others. And when you start doing those things and achieving those things, you realize how content you are. And, and that's what it takes a long while for people. Some people never realize that. People think that they go through their lives wanting other things. And I think it's really important. And I kind of realized that at around sort of 28, where I suddenly went, oh, shh. I remember sitting in a flat, and I was about to go and film Made in Chelsea in the south of France. And I remember, I was like, oh, maybe I should go. And I remember thinking, well, who should I phone? And I remember thinking, well, I haven't spoken to that friend in a while. I haven't spoken to my brother in a while. I haven't done this, I haven't done that. And I remember thinking, God, I've really pushed people away. Mm. And I remember thinking, just because I wanted to have fun and focus on me all the time. And that leaves people, uh, you know, leaves a sort of sadness in your wake almost. And so writing the book, I realized all that. That's Well, that's a lot to take away from the experience because yeah, what you've described, I mean, I think, you know, yes, people think that the lower level happiness, the low hanging fruit of fast food, it's like a fast food fix, isn't it? It's fame, mm. wealth, but actually it's not something that really nourishes the soul. The stuff that sits above that, the long-term relationships, connections, those are the things that really grow you as a person. So we have yes. to, yeah, but it's where, where they put you in the middle of that show and all of the fanfare that sits around it. It's it's amazing that you managed to pull yourself out of that that that, that frame of thinking, um, because yeah. it was almost an inevitability that you would do that. That process does that to you. Yeah, it, it, it's it, so. I think what happens is is that um, so I always saw Made in Chelsea as a career, and most people didn't. And that was what, what the difference was: is that people went into it because they thought, "Well, this would be a lot of fun. We get paid to." To hang out with our mates and travel the world and we get to experience some sort of fame isn't this quite fun to experience for me i was like well this is what i, I want to go into tv i wanted so i saw it as a career so i straight away from the beginning was like okay this is what i need to do and i would and i'm pretty persistent with things so i saw it like that and so the reason why i stayed in so long and and was able to drag myself out is because i had a destination i remember going to what used to be james grant the agency Yes. Um, and it's now YMU, I think it is, isn't it? With James yes. Grant, and they look after everyone. And it would, I'd just done the first few episodes of Made in Chelsea, and I went to ask them to represent me. And so I walked in for them because I thought, oh, I need an agent. That's what I need. I need an agent. I'm 21 years old. I've done two episodes of Made in Chelsea. Like, who the hell is this guy walking in? <laughs> um, but actually quite, you know, if a young kid walks into the agency, it's like quite interesting that he's come in there. And I sat with one of the guys on the roof, and they said, Jamie, look, we can't rep you. There's no way. You know, what, we don't know what you're going to do. You're a reality star and hardly that. But I can tell you one thing. If you're driving down the M1 back to Leeds University is where, you, you know, you studied. Don't veer off to Manchester. Know your destination. Know exactly where you're going. And so for me, when I was doing Made in Chelsea and things like that, I knew exactly what my destination was. I knew I wanted to talk about sweets and I knew I wanted to continue in this entertainment space and present and all that different stuff. Where most people who go and do reality shows just go, oh, I'm going to be famous. And then they get mm. fame and then they don't, can't do anything with it because they're just famous. And fame as fame is nothing. It's nonsense. You yeah. can't do anything with fame. So um, yeah. that's what I realized. And the most embarrassing moment for me, one of the most embarrassing moments ever, Made and Chelsea won a BAFTA. And we cheered and we screamed. We came on stage and I looked into the audience and there was Olivia Coleman. There was Benedict oh. Cumberbatch. There were all these people who have have a talent and have you know, gone through the, 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 the sort of schools of everything. And we have these bunch of posh people on stage who won a BAFTA. And as Francis Paul said, who would have thought you could win a BAFTA for being posh? And I've never felt more embarrassed. In my life. <laughs> 
I, I listen, I get that. I get that. I mean, I, I think I had a not dissimilar experience, you know, picking up a BAFTA with X Factor and you look out into the room and you go, oh my God, you know, there are legends in this room and, and, and really, you feel massively unworthy. But it's also important. I think that's why I love doing this show where I get to ask all the questions to other people about themselves. Um, I just, yeah. I just find it madly unhealthy spending that much time talking about yourself and thinking about yourself. So um, for me, I think the the kickback has been developing probably an over overtly unhealthy appetite in other people's lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm the same. I'm the same. Hence why I do interviews with other people. Yeah. Tell, me, tell me about you. I want to know about you. I yeah. want to know about me. Like yeah, exactly. <laughs> so with you. I find, but do you find this okay? Because now I find it quite tricky with podcasting because I'm so used to asking the questions. I find it quite hard to be asked questions. Yeah, totally. And you start like saying things that you're just like, oh, I want to say it just to make this interview really good. So I just start <laughs> saying things <laughs> to make it good. I remember when I was doing Strictly and I was just so bored of all the interviews. And sand, <laughs> one of the journalists came up to me and they said, Jamie, are you worried? about the Strictly curse. And this has been asked so many times. Yeah. And I replied, and honestly, as I replied, it was like people were trying to put out a fire. Honestly, they were like <laughs> running away with me. I went, I'm just worried I'm going to get them all pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was honestly, I couldn't, <laughs> honestly couldn't believe what I just said. Like a fire <laughs> blanket went yeah, over yeah. you. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. He's joking. I was like, I'm not joking. I'm actually worried. <laughs> This is the problem, right? Again, why it's so unhealthy. It's just, yeah. it's just not that healthy. Um, before I move on from your your book, I wanted to touch on one anecdote that really made me chuckle, and it's the sort of thing that most people would never put in their autobiographies, but you did. Um, where you you paint yourself as like a sort of pathetic romantic hero. Do you know the bit I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you, I take it you've been dumped and you're sort of lovelorn sat outside a halls of residence where the the, yeah. the the woman who's broken your heart is inside clearly. Well, no, I, I think I, we have to put it, I, I broke her heart. Oh. So, so I, I misbehaved with that relationship and she found out quite rightly and then just like, well, I'm never talking to him again. And so then I, I got on a train and travelled down to Bristol, which, you know, she was at Bristol University. And I sat outside what I thought was her halls, which it was, while people in, and it was, they were freshers, just walked past me and saw me and just kept shouting, made in Chelsea Wanker, <laughs> as I was sitting on the halls, like some pathetic Romeo, trying to get her back. And she was like, oh my God, this is giving me more ick than I can probably imagine. <laughs> <laughs> oh god it was awful it how was did awful. that how did that end that particular chapter in she your know, story she know, yeah she never spoke to me and and quite i i i i kissed another and it was kissing i kissed another girl and she had found out and i was 22 or 23 and i tried to lie about it as most idiot young teenage or young 20 year olds do and she didn't accept and then didn't speak to me again so i then went on the train did it and I remember, this is very sad, I remember, so she didn't speak to me and I came back to London uh, demoralised because we hadn't, hadn't sorted it out and I fell asleep that night and I saw, a, and I woke up in the morning and there were missed calls from her. There were three missed calls from her at 3am in the morning and I had missed them. So what I did for the next two months is put the headphones in my phone and put them in my ears so if it rang, it would wake me up in the night. Sweet. Never rung again. Yeah, it was quite <laughs> sweet but also quite sad. <laughs> 
it's sweetly sad and it's borderline tragic. And, yeah, yeah, just <laughs> odd. <laughs> when Sophie hears these stories, um, what what, yeah. what conclusions do you think she reaches? Okay, well, this is interesting. Okay, so. I said to Soph that I was writing some particular stories about relationships in the book, and I'm going to be honest about them. And I don't know if she got upset or not about that happening. I still don't really know. Um, she she seems fine about it, but I I because I don't think I would get upset if she. Well, maybe I would. What do you think? Would you be upset if your partner was writing st- stuff about their past? But I also write about Soph. In the most truthful way, that she is the, the 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 best thing in my life that has ever been in my life, and I couldn't adore and love her more than anything ever. It's quite hard to sort of, I suppose, justify your love of a person when they've literally vomited their life onto the page and describing themselves persistently as a wanker. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you I, know, like when you go, you go, for, you go, and you go, oh. I, this is so and so. Oh, great. And, and do you have a partner? Yes. I, I date, I, I date Jamie Lang. Oh, I've read I his book. I know. Yeah. I know. And that's, so that's awkward for her. I guess actually probably at her age, I, I would maybe have struggled with it at this age. Nah, I can't remember much. Yeah. And I think, and I think that's, and I think it's more, I think it's more with Sophie is that thing is it's, I, I champion Sophie more than anyone and I love her more than anyone. Um, and so she knows that it's just more sometimes I'm just very open, but she also knows I'm quite open. I'm open yeah. with everything. So I think that's OK. If you get the balance right, then it's all right. And I think she knows that you're a changed man in so many ways. You're not that guy that was here, there and everywhere. Exactly. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Yeah. And we have to allow people to evolve and learn. We have to. As, I know. No matter how uncomfortable exactly. it is. And, we, and, and, we, uh, 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 and also it's one of these things where... Um, you know, we do, we, my, the problem with, uh, you know, because I was on a reality show is that my sort of problems and mistakes were documented, right? So people would then have a judgment where most people's stuff isn't documented. They either hide it or it's a small group of friends or no one knows at all. Yeah. Um, and so you, it's very easy to judge me. But um, it's tough, I think, for Sophie, especially when she first went out with me, because a lot of my friends or people or people who knew me just thought it was going to be another relationship. And it's not that she... She she is the most wonderful person I'd possibly know. She's amazing. Ah, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. nice to hear. Yeah, yeah, she's great. Th- uh, let, you know, before we move on, do you think she'd say the same of you? Uh, she, no, she wouldn't. <laughs> she wouldn't. I don't think Sophie's ever said I love you without me starting it. Saying I love you, she'd go, I love you too. She can't. She's, she's much more. It's like an echo chamber. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. And, and a, a sort of one that doesn't really want to echo either. You have to really shout it. <laughs> Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. My next question to you. It's two parts, if that's okay. Um, the first part, I'd like to know, if you could wipe one thing from your Google search results, what would it be and why? And secondly, in five years' time, if you could type your name into Google, what would the search results say about what you've done in the last five years? Oh, that's a tricky one. I think it would the Google search... I would like is I have a naked photo of me and I think that would be a good one to go my <laughs> I, my girlfriend the same with the Bristol girlfriend she took a photo of me um <laughs> naked and this is the Bristol just, girlfriend this, this is, is the Bristol girlfriend and I'm not just just naked I'm in sort of a quite a I'm, I'm aroused I'm, state yeah, yeah I'm in a row, holding my aroused state <laughs> so it's not, <laughs> it's not so glamorous and my friend back in the day, who's a very close friend of mine, thought it'd be funny to tweet it out. And so he tweeted it out. And it was when Twitter just started and exploded and went everywhere. And I, and I was 23 at the time. Um, oh. with, I was 23 holding my erect penis on the internet. And it really was not happy. Like, I did not like it. I now don't care. But back in the day, I, I did care. So I would probably take that away. Yeah. If I could take anything. But I don't think that's a good thing to have. In the well, internet. yeah, especially, you know, when you start a new relationship with somebody like Sophie and her mother Googles you. Oh, I think the whole family have seen it already, so it's fine. It's, they're just, whatever. Okay, it's there. Let's move past it. Um, so they don't mind. They don't mind at all. Um, and then what would I, um, five years' time, what would I be Yeah, page one of? of Google search. So well, if you could write what happens next for yourself, um, what would it be? I think it would have to be, um, it's a, a probably Candy Kittens, my sweet mm. business. Um, something, uh, you know, it, 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 we, we, we proudly, so with a, we can proudly say we're the fastest growing sweet business in the UK, um, which is very exciting. And that's down to not me, but down to our team that we have. Um, and I think that, yeah, something along the lines of that we've, um, we've, we've done something pretty pretty magical with that because fast moving fmcd fast moving consumer goods is a, is a tricky industry to make it big in and especially confectionery confectionery margins are so tight um so that's why no one has ever challenged the big guns because you can't challenge the harry bows and the maynards and the round no. and things like that but we have um and we are challenging them and so that's pretty exciting um, and so something about candy kittens and cause we've got a team of 30 of us now and that's quite fun. And so 30, those... God, Jamie, that's a real achievement. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a, yeah, it's a, it's really, but it, again, it's, it's the team that we have. I have a business partner called Ed Williams. who's been my business partner for about 11 years now and he's MD of the company. Um, and he's a smart dude. Wow. He's a smart guy. And I remember when we had a meeting with my stepfather, who's also chairman of my company. And this is about when we were about 24 years old. And my stepfather said, because people have an idea that I inherited these billions and trillions and I chucked into this business in many ways. I wish. I yeah. wish that was true. It's totally <laughs> not. 
Um, so I get the stigma of being this rich kid without any of the cash, which is always great. Um, <laughs> it's really but, annoying, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's really annoying. I wish I had that money. Yeah, <laughs> and I just throw it at people. The ah, yeah, is it. millions. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where it is. It's like that you find it in the ocean somewhere. Um, but uh, so we started with you know with with three grand or something and built it up. And and um, I remember my stepfather. We had a meeting with him and he said, look, this business isn't working. You're not making profit. The money, you're not selling enough. You're going to have to fold it. And I remember walking away from there with my business partner and we had put everything into us. And I was 24, 25 at the time. And I remember telling him going, oh God, please don't leave me. And he said, don't worry, if I have to sell sweets for my bedroom, I'll do it. And it was this amazing moment. And so we've had this roller coaster ride. We still have this roller coaster ride, but we, mm. we've got to a point in the business where... Um, you know, we are profitable and we are, it, it, you know, it, do, it is doing very well. And, and it's a lot of hard work. So um, I'm it is a lot of hard work. You know, I, I mean, oh, I, I understand, so I understand a, a little about running a business and, and, you know, the responsibility of keeping people paid, for example, growing the people, business. Salaries, yeah. And I, I mean, like your, 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 uh, your wages bill must be chunky. Ah. Oh my God. Well, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we, uh, yeah, you, well, you, we, we, you pay 25 to 30 salaries every single month and yeah. we have to do that. And we also have to buy stock and we have to make sure that the lorry drivers are arriving, which is tricky at the moment because there's no lorry drivers. So how do we get the stock yeah. from Germany? And then, you know, and all prices are, we're in an, an inflation period at the moment. So all prices are going up. So then what do we do? Do we have to lower um, the amount going in the bags or do we have to make the bags more expensive? And then does that reduce our margins? It's a nightmare all the time. But it's it constant, is isn't it? Yeah. And never, then you're trying to grow constant. it and raise investment for it and tell the story yeah. of, of success. Um, yeah. and, and then, you know, where you've got the advantage of, you know, being able to raise the profile of the brand because of your profile, you start yes. talking to money man and they're like, well, the posh twat from Made in Chelsea. Yes. Yeah. There you go. And it goes and against then, you. And it goes against you. And what we have to do. Not that I'm saying you're a posh twat, by the way, that no, I'm just paraphrasing no, that's you. A, that's exactly what it is. And also, you know, does, you know, supermarkets, right? They don't care if you're the queen of England. They want your product to sell and they want it to continue to sell and have longevity. And the problem that we had with Candy Kinnons is that no one believed Candy Kinnons would survive without me being at the helm of it and being the face of it. And we had to prove to all of these supermarkets that no, it was a great product. It was a good brand and it had longevity without me. And, uh, we've, you know, over the past 11 years or 10 years, we managed to do that. Um, and that's yeah. pretty exciting. And, and they are everywhere. You know, they are everywhere. Um, the blood orange and pomegranate. Oh, nice. we, we've just launched our new gourmies, um, yeah. which are three. So we have three new flavors, which are guava and apple, uh, uh, dragon fruit, uh, pomegranate. We have then the raspberry. They're just delicious. Um, and they're basically just a different texture. They're smaller. They're all they're really vegetarian. nice. They're really nice. Them. And yeah, they're delicious. And also we, you know, we're now, um, uh, carbon neutral, which is very, very good. So we, we are completely carbon neutral, recyclable, and we're also turning into a B Corp. Um, so it's a, you know, planet and people above profit, which we're very uh, passionate about, which is good. Which, which comes with its own expense because that there's sacrifice in profit in that. Oh you my know, God. Yeah. Which then makes you less investable. <laughs> And then, and then you can't grow, and so on and so forth. It's it's a real it's a real dance, isn't it? Trying to build a business, and also people think that making things recyclable is easy. Like, why wouldn't you just do it? Making stuff recyclable is so expensive. People don't realize how expensive it is to do things. And also, well, then you just use paper bags. Can't use paper bags because the packaging wouldn't work. It would rip, and all this different stuff. So you have to still use plastic. But then, how do you get recyclable plastic? It's a nightmare. And trying to please everyone, but we're in a situation now. And it's not trying to please everyone. It's more that what we want to do. 
was right. We said, you know, our goal with Candykins was always saying that we want to make the best sweet possible with no nasties. That was the idea. We want to make them with no nasties. So that is no gelatin, uh, animal gelatin. That is no um, e-products, all these different things, like, you know, real uh, fruit juice. And we've managed to do that. And uh, I, we're pretty much the only company um, in the world, apart from Percy Pigs, who are also made by us, made same manufacturers, do the same. And Percy Pigs aren't all uh, vegan. They are vegetarian and also have animal gelatin in them. So we are. We're the best sweets out there. I bet you spent an awful lot of time feeling jealous about Percy Pig. Oh, that's so great. (laughs) Percy Pigs, Percy Pigs are only in Marks and Spencers and do about 32 million turnover a year. No, just on the pigs. Just from the pigs. It's mad. I wonder how they perform in comparison to pigs in blankets at Christmas. Oh, delicious. Love those. (laughs) That little bacon around that. I meant to be vegetarian, but I'm not. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I meant to be vegetarian, but I'm not. I'm not. My final question to you is based on a lot of things that your mum's had to say about you. Yes. How does that sound? Sounds fab. I can't wait. Because she said <laughs> a lot of a lot of things about me. So many things. It's frightening. Yes, she did. Yeah. So I read in an interview in the Sunday Times, uh, really opening up about you and all different facets of your personality. Mm-hmm. So the theory is, I, I guess, that no one knows you like your mum knows you, right? Yeah. Totally. Okay. She says, Jamie was trouble from day one. I always said that if Jamie had been my first child, I'd never have had another. He was such a handful. He threw terrible tantrums. Luckily, he was my second. His older brother, Alexander, was the best behaved child in the world. (laughs) So my mum is so honest as well. She'll say whatever comes in her head. And my mum always tells me this story. So um, she she was so unwell. She didn't keep it nice for the Sunday. You know, relative values in the Sunday Times, it's classy. She's just shredded you. Straight in there. Doesn't care. She, um, she, I, I was born on her wedding anniversary, 3rd November. And so my mum and dad's wedding anniversary. And it was the only day she was allowed out of hospital. She was really unwell with me. And then I came two weeks early. And I was a cesarean. I was the wrong, wrong way around. So it was, the whole thing was a disaster. Um, and then when I was, she finally got me out of her, she lay me in the cot or thing or whatever in the hospital next to her. And she was looking at me and I was looking back at her apparently. And she thought, I'll read his horoscope. Let's see what the horoscope says about this little boy. Um, and it, she opened up and it said, beware the Scorpio child born at dawn on 3rd November. And that was literally me. And my mum was like, oh, my God. And from that day on, I was a nightmare. Any <laughs> any diagnosis of me in this current kind, they'd say he's got ADHD. He's all over. The- I, I, I broke windows. I stole keys. I, I would be naked all the time. I, I couldn't walk. I only ran. Um, I screamed so loud. I used to get this vein on me. My, my, my stomach was so bad. I used to... My nappies were in terrible shape always. Like everything about me was just and I my mum tells stories how she used to have to put me behind like a fence because she was so worried she was gonna hit me because I was screaming <laughs> so much. So actually she's really played it down for the Sunday Times. Yeah, I played it way down. Way worse. Oh, okay, than that. okay. Well that's fair enough then. That's fair enough. Yeah, but but um, she I am her favourite and she says that to all the kids that I'm her favourite, so it's fine. <laughs> Uh, she goes on to share Jamie went off the rails when he smelt girls he ended up at Leeds University uh, so he could be with his then girlfriend I didn't let him get a loan because I knew he'd spend it so he got one without me knowing and used it to fly them to New York for Valentine's he's a boy of great gestures 
Yeah, that is that is another true one. I went I went to um, <laughs> I went to Leeds University and I did I I was I I really love I think women are just amazing. I think they're better than us in every single way. I think you know Candykins ninety percent of our staff are women. I think they are they work harder. They can multitask. They're more interesting. Lots of different things. And I grew up with sisters and I, and my mum and Alexander and, and the Alexander, better behaved brother yeah and my brother who who was very camp growing up so it's fine um, <laughs> so anyway so we then went to uh, I went to Leeds University and I was going out with a girl called Lucy at the time and someone explained that you can get in uh, your account you can get a, a student overdraft that's what you can get and I thought this sounds amazing let's go and get one of these so I went to Lloyd's Bank or one of the banks and I took out this overdraft account and I took all the money and me and my girlfriend, my girlfriend and I went to New York and we spent it all in New York and I got back and forgot about it. Thought I'd never have to pay back. I thought, no, I didn't have to pay it back. Left it dormant. And didn't realise that what happened was that baylifters like came knocking on our door. Yeah. And my, and my credit rating was so bad that I couldn't even take buy a SIM card to get a new SIM card. <laughs> so, it was a life lesson learned the hard oh way, right? Oh my God. Yeah. I didn't realise and realise these things. I remember my sister, my older sister, Tash, when she was younger, she got her a checkbook and she didn't realise if you just write checks, you actually have to pay them. So she wrote checks to everyone the whole time, <laughs> just handing out checks and then got hit with a huge bill because everyone was just trying to cash these checks. So yeah, so I think you learn from these mistakes. That we Do you know, it's amazing, isn't it, that we weren't taught any of that in schools. My son Nothing. is now learning. Yeah, my son came home the other day and he went, I'm really confused about tax and VAT. He's 13. I was like, what are you confused about? It's like, well, you know, how does it all work? And thank God they're teaching it at thank schools God. now. That's amazing. I had no um, clue. I didn't understand anything. No. Didn't understand VAT. Didn't understand tax. Didn't understand how net it, how gross someone profit could be... loss. No, I didn't understand how someone could be self-employed. I didn't. I didn't know that. I didn't know what entrepreneurship was. I didn't know anything. I just thought no. you you left university and you got some sort of job and you worked in that job and they paid you money and that was it. So I thought. Yeah, or loans. You just thought, well, if I borrow twenty pounds, I've got to pay twenty pounds back. No, no, no <laughs> interest. No, 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 no way. I thought, what you have a hundred t-shirts or hundred sweets, and then you sell a hundred sweets, you make. Oh my god, you make all that money, so you double your money. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> no you got to make sell a lot more sweets than hundred bags yeah, to make money. Yeah. Um, your mum goes on to say, um, Jamie was seven when his father left and really struggled with the separation. In 12 months, his dad left, our nanny Julie left, we moved house and Jamie was sent to boarding school. Dropping him off after a weekend at home was agony. I'd have to peel him off me and we'd both be crying. And then when there was a petrol crisis, you panicked and said, how will you pick me up if you can't drive? And I told him that if I had to walk, I would. I wouldn't let him down. First, I think she's lying. She definitely would not have walked. She'd have gone like, screw him. You can just go out. Um, I was she said you're on a ski, ski yeah. camp. Yeah, yeah. I was, a se- I was just a really sensitive kid. I was very emotional and still am, I think, in some ways. But I, I wanted love from my mum. I wanted, you know, I wanted to be held all the time. I just, just loved being at home. Um, loved sport and loved being around my friends, but also liked the comfort of just knowing that everything was safe. Um, so saying the boarding school was everything that I didn't like. I hated being trapped. I, I couldn't, I w- was given like times I had to go to bed, times I had to wake up, I had to do my, everything was like scheduled, didn't like that. Um, and yeah, I was really sad always going and, and I hated change. 
And so when my parents divorced, that was tough because it was changed. We had to go from London to, you know, different places. Um, we, so so, um, so you, you didn't you move to the country after your parents separated? Is that so right? we, were in the, we lived in the countryside and then we moved to London. And, um, oh, back to, sorry, I've got it back to France. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we went to London. And uh, yeah, we moved from like a house in the countryside to like a little London townhouse. Um, so everything was like bizarre. And I just didn't really understand why and, and nothing was ever explained i think what happens with parents a lot of the time is they don't explain things to kids because mm. like, i just can't bother and so for me i just didn't understand what was going on i didn't understand why we were moving why why i was going to boarding school why my parents went there. there's nothing was ever explained and so then as you get older you start to figure out you go oh that's why oh okay that's okay now and so all of those things happened um and that's quite tough to realize because I, I didn't do the, you know, the stereotypical thing where you think, oh, you blame yourself. I didn't blame myself ever about these things. It was just, I just didn't understand why, why these things mm. were happening. And that was quite hard for, as a kid. But I, th- I think going to boarding school is a hard experience, especially when you have Eight close- years old? And, That's so yeah. little. What, what are you yeah. doing to these poor little kids? My friend went at six. 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 My friend Archie went at six years old. It's mad. I mean, each to their own and no judgment, but is it a no choice that you make for your own children? Judgment thrown at you, people. I no, I, I, I think um, I, I wouldn't send my kid to boarding school eight, no ways. Um, I think the, what boarding school taught me was I was thrown into an environment where I had to make friends. And so what I was quite good at from the age of eight years old is communicating with people because I had to communicate. Um, and so it taught me communication. And I think that's quite a good thing to have in life. But, but I had that, ex- that similar experience at regular state school yeah yeah yeah, yeah didn't totally. need to go on board to learn how to make friends jamie <laughs> no but no but it wasn't how to make friends it was more about that you i i lay in beds in a dormitory of 15 people next to people from all different cultures all different things complete strangers and at eight years old you have to start to chat to all these people that you've it's never met before it's a lot to do yeah. as a kid yeah. and i think that was um that played in my hand especially for someone who wasn't that academic who was very sporty yeah and so you know I had to get my through life on being able to chat to people because that's the way I did it. That's the way I got through exams and stuff like that. And I think it helped me. Otherwise I would have stayed at home, clung to my mum, and I wouldn't have met all the people that I met, different cultures, different people, different lives, everything. Mm. And that was interesting. But yeah, so there's upsides to it. Mm. I think but so. You wouldn't, but all, but, but, but I wouldn't do it to my kids. No ways. Okay. <laughs> no ways. <laughs> um, your mum says, Everyone thinks Jamie lives off family money because his great-great-grandfather on his dad's side invented the digestive biscuit, but that isn't the case. The McVitie's money paid for Jamie's education and he inherited a bit of money that allowed him to put a deposit on a flat, but he's had a mortgage and bills ever since and he can't afford to not work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, so I, 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 I'd never, I've never uh, been given any inheritance. and I, So I, have, I got given a tiny no it wasn't even i got i got given enough money to put on a small deposit on a house um really small deposit on a house um and yeah and and then you know my my dad kindly paid for my university and paid for my schooling but after university finished that was it you had to go and work and you had to earn your money and you had to pay rent and all these different things um like most people have to do and there's an idea that i uh you know, had all these millions and trillions and could do whatever I want. And that just wasn't the case. Um, but that was implied when you, when, when Made in Chelsea launched, it was yeah. the implication was you were the sole heir to yeah, the yeah. McVitie's fortune. The only heir of McVitie's, even though I have eight <laughs> brothers and sisters. Um, <laughs> yeah. Nobody yeah. bothered to challenge that fact. 
I've got those siblings. Yeah, it's just him. I have so many cousins as well. So many cousins. But nope, they don't get it. None of my brothers and sisters get it. Just me. Um, and also, it's the same thing which happens in life. Uh, that it's called the third generation curse. Is grandfather makes it, father has to, father, um, uh, father spends it, and son has to rebuild. And son has to rebuild. It happens every single time. It's called third generation curse. Same thing happened in our family with McVitie's. Grandfather made it. Uh, 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 father spent it son has to rebuild it it's third generation and so with us we have to rebuild any sort of wealth I suppose yeah. we have to do but also wealth isn't like like there's a if you earn 72,000 euros a year right which is a lot of money but if you earn 72,000 euros a year you're apparently the most content you can possibly be in terms of financial gain any more than that it becomes a problem any less you want more so actually people think that you want to earn these millions and trillions and and all that does is make you yeah it, it gives you sense that you can buy a bigger house or you can fly first class right that's what you can do with it probably you can't do much else like anyone if you're earning that sort of money you can do anything that anyone else wants to but perhaps you're not flying yeah first class so people are obsessed with like this idea that we want to earn all this money but actually being like rich and like love and friendship and stuff like that is far more important than being rich in wealth for sure and it sounds like your made in chelsea experience taught you that which is probably one of the most valuable lessons in life you could have ever hoped to learn i i think it did but also um i think what did uh, it, it kind of, I think it just taught me that I have a lot of people, you know, from going from Portugal, I have a lot of wealthy friends and a lot of wealthy friends who don't work. And mm. when, and guys don't have, men in particular, right? If they don't find a purpose, they're in real trouble. You know, mm. they're, they're in real trouble. You know, it, it's maybe controversial in some sort of ways, but you know, typically, right? Um, typically women, are sort of born with a, a, some sort of purpose because they are able to give birth, right? Where men can't give birth and things like that. So men don't, have, if they don't do anything with their lives at all, and not women all just want to give birth, but if men don't do anything, they have And not all no, women can, sadly. And not all yeah. women can, sadly, right? Yeah, but so if you don't have, uh, as a guy, if you don't find something that you can do, you'll really struggle. And I think that's why a lot of men... Um, unfortunately take their lives due to suicide um, and a lot of men suffer with anxieties and 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 uh, depression is because actually they get to a certain age and realize actually they haven't achieved what they thought they want to achieve and their blueprint hasn't added up and they don't really have a purpose and then they don't talk about it and they get they really struggle with it so i think that happens a lot and it happens a lot to women as well but i think mm -hmm. it happens more to men because men, men don't talk about those things um and women typically talk about things where men don't does that make sense or not make sense that does make sense it absolutely makes sense and i think you're right if you've got um if you've got all day on your hands and all night with no pressures or responsibilities or boundaries that uh, you need to um kind of perform within then it's a catalog for alcoholism drug addiction totally. or disaster i would 100 percent struggle without having structure structure and, and it's responsibility so yeah we live our lives uh, wanting to put like this peter pan theory where we want to stay young forever but actually it's a really bad sort of I idea to have because then having no responsibilities and having no purpose which peter pan didn't it leads you to destruction right and so yeah. you need to put responsibilities and structure and purpose in place even though it's tough and hard you've got to yeah. do it otherwise like you said you end up in a disastrous place yeah or looking at the bottom of a bottle but <laughs> um, so, well, you can it can happen can't it? yeah yeah totally finally um you recall in your book we're kind of touching on this to some degree that after blagging your way into a casino when you were 17 so therefore underage you had such a huge win that 
your mum thought you'd become a drug dealer. Yeah. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah, I blagged my way into the casino and I won £200. And it was £200 cash. And, and my, my, my parents never really gave me money, right? They just didn't, they didn't give me any money. And my allowance, I think, was 20 quid a month. I think that was my allowance. Um, and so I suddenly came home and mum went through my, I don't know what she's going through my door, found this 200 quid wad of cash. And then she went through my phone and she found a message to my friend that said something like, okay, I'll see you round the back. And she would put two and two and thought, he's selling drugs. He's a drug I was 16. And so she was convinced by that. And she was so convinced, she took me and just wouldn't let her go. What drugs are you selling? I was like, I'm not selling drugs. Get over it. And she wouldn't. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's been so lovely talking to you. You are a refreshing breath of honest air. You truly oh. are. Thank you. And that has been so kind of you. And what and great questions as well. Really fun, like so nice and and also I always think in these chats, when you feel like you can talk forever, it means the interviewer is just asking great things. And I feel like I could chat forever. Oh, so, that's so nice. Yeah, that's so great. nice to hear. Well, from somebody that creates an awful lot of podcasts, um, I, I will take that as the highest compliment. <laughs> and you've got a new show starting. Uh, it's a dating show, isn't it? When's that on? Oh yeah, so dating show, seventeenth of October, all on the iPlayer, eight episodes. I like the way you move. Five sexy dancers go into a house and they partner up with something people call a rookie and through that they fall in love. It's pretty amazing. Shot it over six weeks, coming out 17th October. It's incredible. Well done. So you've got a new TV show, you've got two podcasts, an autobiography and Candy Kittens. Yeah, but it's... I mean, I you're, it's, you're a busy boy. I don't think so. Who knows? We'll see what happens. You're doing great. Oh, Jamie, honestly, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, you've been, Karen, long, really you've been a, a long-standing guest on my wish list, so I, I shall wish no more. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. What a lovely man he is. Jamie Lang. I thoroughly enjoyed that. And if you do want to uh, delve into his book, I Can Explain, which is autobiographical, is out now. I would really recommend it on the audiobook. It's nice to hear him telling his story. Thank you so much for listening. As always, the show is produced by me, Kate Thornton, with Gabriella Colasurdo and Richard Hatherall for Yahoo UK. Editing is by Libby Knowles and our music comes from Andy Bell. We'll be back next week with more chat. In the meantime, don't forget to tell your friends about us. And if you can be bothered, please do rate and review. But only if you've got nice things to say. No one needs trolling. Not in this day and age. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 